And welcome back to another episode of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Delzell and myself signed, and we talk about the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. And I like to use the word a biblical perspective or a Christian perspective because I think in this day and age, there is a difference between somebody calling themselves a Christian and someone who goes by biblical theologies, uh, practices, principles, that type of thing. And so uh, anyways, we're going to be talking about something that affects us all and something that has really become prevalent or maybe has become lacking due to the prevalence of social media. And that is humility because humility sometimes can be a strange thing, Dan. And so again, thanks for joining us this week and uh, humility. Any opening thoughts as we start the conversation? Well, you know, I, I just think about that, that quote that really got me thinking about that topic uh, of humility, Son, and, and it's a quote that goes like this. Uh, humility is a strange thing. When you think you've got it, you've lost it. So I'm sure as we'll get into it today, uh, we'll kind of we'll kind of look at, you know, what is it about humility that, um, you know, the, the, the people who are humble um, don't think of themselves as being humble, uh, but, but it shows in their life. And so uh, I think it is an interesting dynamic and it, it's kind of counterintuitive to what a person might think about with humility. But uh, like I say, I think if you, if you're, uh, if you're, if you're viewing yourself as a humble person, uh, uh, it, it reminds me of the guy who wrote the book, uh, humility and how I achieved it, you know? And, uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, it, it's a good topic because as we know, son, um, you know, humility is such an important part of, of our Christian life. Uh, Christ humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And so as his followers, we're certainly called to be humble um, and gracious. And, and uh, so it's uh, definitely something God wants from us. Yeah. And D.L. Moody, as you write, you know, says, quote, I firmly believe that at the moment our hearts are emptied of selfishness, including selfish ambition, self-seeking, you know, things like that, that lead to stuff that is contrary to God's law. The Holy Spirit comes in and fills every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride, conceit, ambition, self-seeking, etc., there's no room for the Spirit of God. So humility really is something that can keep us separated from the will of God, from the love of God, and keep the Holy Spirit from filling us and guiding us and directing us in a biblical manner. Well, if we think about, you know, the, the, the first uh, sin, really, that, that we see in, in the Bible, of course, Lucifer's sin in heaven, and in Ezekiel, it says that his heart became proud on account of his beauty. And, um, you know, so we know that God hates pride. Um, you know, the Bible says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And, uh, and so, yes, definitely. I, you know, that D.L. Moody quote is, is so powerful because it reminds us that, um, while praying for God to fill us with the Holy Spirit is certainly an important thing for us to do, um, we, we need to be emptied first. And, and whether that be pride, uh, jealousy, um, greed, or fill in the blank, you know, any sinful desire that is in our heart is something that is grieving the Holy Spirit because, after all, He is perfectly holy. Um, we are not. Uh, we are seeking to be like the Lord. Um, the only perfection we have is, is Christ in us, and then whatever, whatever good the Lord works through us, but in terms of um, 
you know, in, in terms of, of being empty, that is a very important thing. You know, I mean, think, think about it, son. If you or I had like a pitcher that we wanted to fill with ice cold water, let's say, but that pitcher was like a third full with some dirty water. I mean, who in the world would, would, you know, put ice water into that without first emptying it, cleaning it, you know? Um, I mean, and, and why would, why would God be interested in um, filling us when we've already got a third of our heart filled with, um, you know, greed or anger or lust or um, jealousy or whatever it might be. So, um, and, and that can happen as we pray to the Lord. You know, we can ask the Lord to show us things um, in our life in in our life that are grieving Him, um, so that we can turn away from those things, repent of those things, and and we can ask the Lord. You know, Lord, empty me uh, of anything that's in the way of You filling me, and and. And so I think, yeah, the, the D.L. Moody quote there is very, very helpful in this regard. Yeah, the Bible also talks about seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And anytime we take our focus away from that, we take our focus away from the cross. We take the focus away from living a godly life. You know, like you've always mentioned in the past, too, you know, we're dealing with self and dealing with the things of this world, the instant gratification, um, taking our or going and living in the basement, so to speak, of our souls, as you put it, I believe, you know, and that is all self-serving. That's all stuff that we want to do. And of course it Mm -hmm. takes us to a bad place because we're taking our focus off of the kingdom of God and putting it upon ourselves. Whereas when we focus on, well, I guess I should put it this way. If we do have humility and we take the focus off us, then we have the ability to focus on God and then be able to pursue, uh, and seek first the kingdom of God. Yeah, that that that's, that is absolutely right, Son, and and that's our our daily calling. And if we're going to you know faithfully follow the Lord, you know every day, um, we're going to have to regularly um, you know check in with with the Lord on on a lot of issues. You know, daily check in with Him, and certainly the, this pride issue is is a big one because. Um, you know, there are a lot of ways that we could grieve the Holy Spirit, but I, I would suspect that pride is, um, up there near the top of things that really offend God. And, and, you know, just think about it in any personal relationship, whether it be marriage or some other personal relationship or friendship. Um, you know, if, if, if your spouse or your friend is offended and grieved by something that, that you or I are doing, um, it, it's not going to be a, a very, uh, happy time of fellowship and, and, uh, and, and hanging out together. And so if that happens between sinful human beings, um, and we know that God is, uh, you know, extremely, um, sensitive to any sin uh, from the standpoint that he got, God's not going to hang around and, and fill a person's heart with his power. If they're, if they're giving into sin or, or even just sliding into sin. Um, you know, I mean, we have to really guard our hearts. Now, again, we're all sinners. We all fall short, but I think, you know, it's that desire to want to do God's will, uh, as we feed on the word, as we pray, you know, that desire, um, that desire grows. And I know that that is something that pleases God because, uh, it shows him that we're serious about our relationship with him and about wanting to do his will. You know, you write in an article about this, that it says, are you focused on what others think and say about you or on how God feels about your attitude and behavior? 
So that first part of it, are you focused on what others think and say about you? I mean, that right there pretty much sums up social media in a heartbeat. I take a look at, and I'm one that does social media. I put stuff out there. I try to promote this podcast, for example, as well. Uh, Plus, I like to put pictures up there for people to see and, you know, the like button that social media started. I remember listening to a, a documentary about the guy, um, about social media and the guy that actually, or the guy that led the committee that actually invented kind of like the like button for social media. Is that right? Yeah. You know, he yeah. was talking about how the purpose of it was meant to be good, but then he realizes now how it becomes such an uh, obsessive thing because you yeah. need to have more likes. You have more likes. And that's what people are focusing on. We're thinking about what others yeah. are thinking of us by those likes and those comments on social media. And it becomes a self thing. We're looking on ourselves. You know, yeah. Oh, look, I have this many. And I fall guilty of that. You know, I like to look at the views or the likes. Oh, and be, sure. oh I've got so many. Hey, that's so cool. Sure. People like this. Or oh, man, I didn't really get that many, so that's a bummer. But that's right there in a heartbeat, focusing on what others think and say about you pretty much sums yeah. up social media, which a lot of us, and I'll include myself in that, a lot of us become obsessed yeah. about, and a lot of us kind of, it takes over our lives and comes prevalent, and I think is probably one of the things when it comes to humility is one of the things yeah. with social media that competes directly with the attention that we give to God. It's social media. God and social media probably wins out and gets most of our attention over God these days anyways. Yeah, there, there is so much time spent, as you say, son, on, on social media. And, and there's just this, I think, natural inclination that we have to compare ourselves with others um, in order to, um, I, I suppose, many times, um, you know, feel better about maybe who we are or what we're doing or our achievements or like in this case, how many likes we have. You know, that's a natural tendency. But, you know, the Bible warns us about, um, you know, comparing ourselves to others because that's not the right focus. Um, you know, really, as Christians, we're called to play for an audience of one. Um, we are called to please the Lord. And, and whether the whether the world likes it or whether we have, you know, a bunch of likes on Facebook or not, um, you you know, our, our goal should always be uh, to do that which pleases the Lord. Um, you know, and and if we get if God, you know, you think about that. If God were to hit the the like button, you know, on Facebook whenever He saw something that you know He really pleased Him, I mean, I would hope that as Christians that that would just be you know about the only thing that we would be focused on. And and even though God doesn't do that on Facebook, um, it's not hard to to figure out uh, in the Bible what does please the Lord. You know, there's that Bible verse that says, find out what pleases the Lord. And and God has, has put it in his love letter to us, 66 books with uh, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. This is God's love letter to his children. So if you want to know what God thinks about, read the Bible. If you want to know what God likes, read the Bible. If you want to know what, what God hates, what God doesn't like, uh, what God loves and what he hates, you know, read the Bible. And, um, and, and, you know, the more we do that, the more we fill our minds with the word of God and, and, and with prayer and, and, uh, you know, hanging out with other Christians and, and just doing like what they did in Acts 2.42, where they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, um, as we do those things, we're going to find out more and more of what pleases the Lord because our heart's going to be much more in tune 
um, with God and his will. And, and, um, and that is just a, a part of humility, isn't it? That, that we focus more on the Lord, far more on the Lord than on what others are saying about us. And I think it's our pride that, that would lead us to be obsessed with what others think about me. And, and, um, and yeah, we all struggle with that. You know, we're all still human. Um, but the Lord can raise us up above that as, uh, as we rely upon him and, and receive power from him uh, in this way. You know, sometimes I think about, is there any difference? And when it comes to sin, probably not, you know, I mean, there's probably some things that are debatable that make it worse, but I often think, you know, when we compare ourselves in our pride to that of Lucifer, you know, are we really as prideful as he was? Now, it only takes a little bit of pride for us to be sinful, obviously, and God doesn't compare mm-hmm. sins, but I mean, you think about that, you know, we think about how, what Lucifer must have done to be cast out of heaven. What, what, what kind of pride is that? What kind of like self-centeredness is that? What kind of like, you know, Mm-hmm. high opinion of yourself you have to have to be cast out of heaven. And we think it's got to be something really great. And maybe it is. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't there. But think about this. Think about just the little bit of pride, the little bit of self-centeredness, the little bit of engaging in ourselves and putting ourselves first and God second, the little bit of pride that will keep us out of heaven. It doesn't take yeah. much, you know? And so, and that's why when I think we, you know, when you write that humility is a strange thing, it really is because it's one of those things where we often kind of overlook it. You know, we're in a society that likes to, you know, everybody gets a trophy despite your record. You get a participation trophy. You know, everybody gets some sort of accolades and now it goes on social media and everybody praises it. So it's really difficult to understand that the humility aspect of what we do is very important to kind of keep in the back of our minds because we'll we'll skip that. We don't even think that's a sin. We don't even think that's a separation from God. We think it's just no big deal these days. Yeah. And you know, one of the things, Son, that I put in the article that can help us to kind of check for pride in our hearts is this uh, beautiful quote from C.S. Lewis, where he writes, as we get in touch with God, we become cheerfully humble, uh, feeling relieved to be rid of the silly nonsense about our own dignity that previously made us restless and unhappy. Um, and, and then he asked this question. He has us ask ourselves this question. How much do I dislike it when other people snub me or refuse to take notice of me or patronize me or show off? And and that's, I think, a deep insight because it does reveal our pride uh, if we take offense very easily. I think about the verse in uh, the the famous love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, that love is not easily angered. And, and, And so in that sense, love and Christian humility um, you know, they're, they're often side by side. And, and when you're lacking one, you're often lacking the other. Um, and when you're experiencing one, you're often experiencing the other. And, and so I think C.S. Lewis's question to us can be one we can ask ourselves regularly. You know, how, how am I feeling when people snub me? Because it's going to happen. And especially uh, to us Christians who are, um, you know, seeking to make a difference in the lives of others. I mean, there are going to be things that we're going to say or write or do. that are going to be just overtly Christian as they should be, and overtly biblical. Um, I mean, compassionate, yes. Uh, Gracious, hopefully, yes. Uh, Gentle, hopefully, yes. But overtly Christian. And it's not going to sit well with everybody. Um, You know, the Bible says the darkness hates the light. And, And so if a person is living in spiritual darkness, 
Um, it manifests itself in, in pride, in, in unbelief, uh, and, 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 and in a lack of, of humility. But also notice that, that when any of us, you know, believer or not, if we're, if we're in the flesh, so to speak, if we're not just being spirit filled, um, you know, at a certain point in our life, um, notice how easily we get offended, how easily, you know, somebody snubs us, how much that bothers us when we're in the flesh. But when we're in the spirit, what I mean by that is when the spirit's filling us, when we're not walking according to the, uh, you know, the desires of our sinful nature, but when we're really just close to the Lord, uh, as he wants us to be all the time, um, then, you know, those things can just kind of, uh, you know, bounce off, uh, our back a little bit. You know, I always remember the quote by Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham, that she would pray for thick skin and a soft heart. And I think we've talked about that before. Uh, but I thought that that's a great prayer for us as Christians, thick skin and a soft heart. And, you know, humility uh, gives that uh, to us uh, to a large degree. Uh, humility gives us thicker skin. Um, you know, there, there's that great word, uh, in the Bible. Um, and, and it's that, that, uh, that beautiful word in the hymn, A Little Town of Bethlehem, it talks about uh, where meek souls uh, receive him still, meaning Christ. So a meek, a meek soul, a humble soul. Uh, you know, sometimes people think of meekness as weakness, but it's just the opposite of that. Uh, meekness is strength. So let's, let's say you have a student in school, they're being picked on. It takes meekness to not retaliate. Um, you know, the opposite of meekness would be the bully in school. That's the opposite of meekness. Uh, and, and many times, you know, they'll, they'll talk about a bully being um, so insecure that, that this is why, you know, he or she is behaving the way they are. But but it, it's the opposite of humility. So um, God will help us. He, he wants us to be meek. Look how meek Jesus was. My goodness. I mean, the perfect lamb of God. And, and, and he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, yet he did not open his mouth, you know, the Bible says. And, and so, I mean, sometimes they would, you know, they would ask him a question. He just wouldn't even, wouldn't even respond. Um, uh, certainly if it was one that was not, um, you know, needing a response, but, but, but the Lord was meek and humble, but who's been stronger ever, uh, who is stronger, uh, than the Lord. I mean, you know, uh, the Bible says he's the creator of all things. So the, the one who created everything, including, you know, billions of galaxies, not just our Milky Way galaxy, you know, in, in which NASA estimates that we have uh, 100, uh, over 100 billion planets uh, just in our galaxy alone. Uh, you know, uh, I was asked on Sunday after uh, church um, why I think maybe God made so many planets. And, and my answer uh, to this individual was, you know, I, I, I suspect it's to show that God's power is limitless. You know, when the Bible says for nothing is impossible with God, um, I mean, just think about that. I mean, a hundred over a hundred billion planets in our galaxy, billions of galaxies. Um, you know, I mean, if God had just created earth and, 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 you know, few other, uh, planets, I mean, if he created the sun and the moon and, you know, maybe, uh, maybe the planets in our, in our solar system, let's say. Um, you know, the eight planets in our solar system, but no, he went so far uh, beyond that to show that his power is unlimited. And if that doesn't humble a person before their creator, it should. Uh, 
And and this is why, son, it's just, it's just mind-boggling to me that, you know, why anybody, especially if they're maybe scientifically minded or if even if they're an astronomer, how could you not? be humbled by uh by the lord of the universe and what he's created and yet he's the one that stood there when they arrested him when they flogged him when they crucified him and he hung on the cross um he's the one who did not come down off that cross uh he's the one who endured the pain in humility the bible says that that um he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on the cross so our Lord is the humble one. Lucifer is a created being who's not equal in power to God or anywhere near it, but he is the leader of the dark forces, if you want to call it that. And, um, and he's the opposite of God. He's filled with pride. Um, he'll be thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, it says in Revelation 2010, uh, where he'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. So uh, what did his pride get him? Well, it got him an eternity of torture an eternity in the lake of burning sulfur. Um, so yes, God hates pride. Um, and God saves us not to be proud, um, but to be humble. And the last thing I'll say on that song is I think about that Bible verse that says, you know, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast and brag as, as though you did not, you know? So I don't care if a person is like super intelligent or super gifted in some area, or, or maybe they're able to do something where they get all sorts of Facebook likes or whatever it is. Um, the minute we start to take the credit for it in our hearts, the minute we start to elevate ourselves in our mind above somebody else, um, we better be careful. Uh, because the Bible says pride goes before a fall. And boy, that was the case of Lucifer. That's been the case with so many people. And I think we've all had, you know, probably more than enough uh, of a taste of our own pride to see how ugly it can be and, and, and why the Bible warns, uh, you know, so often about it. You know, Dan, it's Christmas time as we have this conversation. And one of the things I'm reminded of when it comes to, you know, humility and I'm not sure if this correlates, but it kind of popped out as we were talking about this. It's when the shepherds go and visit uh, Mary. You know, Jesus is born, and so the shepherds, they go see baby Jesus. And it talks about, I think it's Luke 2, when they're telling, when it's talking about the Christmas story, you know, all the people who had heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. You know, but yeah. Mary treasured these things up and pondered them in her heart. Basically, the point yeah. that stands out to me is Mary, Mary treasured up these things in her heart. It's not like she was out bragging. It's not like she was like saying, look what I've done. Right. You know, she just kind of right. treasured them in the heart, knowing that she yeah. was, you know, this, probably realizing at that point, you know, think about all the things they went through, you know, a, a virgin yeah. con conception, um, you know, dealing yeah. with Joseph, having to put her away quietly and that whole type of thing, you know, with, right. with, with dealing right. with the angels and stuff. And then all of a sudden she gives birth and then you've got the shepherds coming and you've got this big hubaloo going on. And instead of sitting there and being boastful about it, she just treasures them up in her heart and just ponders on it, you know? And so it's that type of thing in, in our lives. I mean, we don't have to sit there and look at and be at the, the nativity and think, Oh, you know, Jesus was born. That's a great thing, which it is, but I'm like, but in everyday life, I mean, everything that we have, everything that we're given is almost as great as the birth of the savior because it comes from the savior, yeah. you know, it comes from Jesus. He gave us, first of all, the opportunity to be saved and spend eternity with him. Our health, if yeah. we're healthy, I mean, we should be blessed with this pandemic going on if we have our health, because there's a lot of people that right. don't, and a lot of people lost someone to that. Um, if we just yeah. have a, a roof over our head, you know, oftentimes I'm reminded about a conversation I had with a, a lady a couple years ago. She used to go to Iraq 
and she would deal with the Yazidi people who were being um, kind of rescued from the sex trafficking and stuff from from the from ISIS. And um, wow. that's you know probably three four years now. Um, but 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 she would always have a hard time when she came back to the states dealing with poverty because the the yeah. the poor here are so much more wealthier yeah. than the poverty yeah. stricken that she was dealing with and oh, um, yeah. you know anyways and so there's a lot of things that we could just be grateful for and thankful for and treasure these things in our hearts and one of them yeah. is the gift of salvation but then just the gifts that we get daily from our Lord and Savior and what God provides for yeah. us you know is yeah. something that should keep us humble first and foremost because we can't do anything without him allowing us to do that and second of all without him giving us the abilities or basically just paving the way for us to have what we have today oh that is so well said son and and you know as you were talking about mary i mean i was just thinking um i've never really thought about it quite this way but i'm reminded of that passage in the old testament that said that you know, Moses was a humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And I've always thought, my, what a, what a great thing to have said about you. Uh, I mean, it wasn't Moses elevating himself, you know, you know, um, but, but it was, it was the Lord uh, that was really doing that. And, you know, um, you know, Mary, I suppose could be thought of as, you know, perhaps one of the most humble women who've ever walked on the earth. And the reason I say that is, um, you know, it just, it just makes a lot of sense that God would, would choose someone uh, to be the mother of our Lord. Who's only, who's just thoroughly humble because it just would not have um, obviously been uh, a good thing. If, if, I mean, God would have never chosen someone, you know, who who was proud, you know, for that, for that key role. So, um, I mean, Mary, while, um, you know, she was not perfect, she was not without sin. Um, she certainly is not anyone that, um, anyone should ever, ever pray to or elevate to a, a godlike status. I mean, she was a human like all of us, but, but there's no question that she was a humble servant of the Lord, uh, with just, exceptional humility um and and just such a beautiful heart that um that that the lord had had worked uh, within her so um she she sets a great example not only for women but but also for for men i mean yeah she's uh, a different gender than than us men but but we can learn a lot from mary from her example just like we can learn from um you know so many other you know women and men in the bible so it's it's beautiful when humility is lived out um and it is something that that god will work in us and and when that happens um you know our our thoughts move away from ourselves they move away from comparing ourselves to others and they're really just focused on the lord and and what he has done for us and so that's the well, one of the many beautiful things about um, you know Christian humility. You know the other thing, Dan, that we have to be careful for, as far as believers is, I think it's the opposite. I think that we can sometimes contribute to the um, elevation of people. You know, there's a lot of times, and I've been I don't know if I've been fortunate or unfortunate, but. Um, to be exposed to a lot of different pastors, a lot of different preaching, a lot of different theologies. Um, you know, I've come in contact yeah. and met, you know, a lot of pastors across the country uh, with jobs that I've had. 
And one of the biggest things that I've kind of noticed is that sometimes pastors will be arrogant, to lack a better term. And I wonder if it's us elevating them that helps contribute to them to reach that status because it's almost like celebrity status with some of these pastors. Um, you know, they sit there and they're, um, and you know, they've got a multitude of people following them. They've got a multitude mm-hmm. of people that are sending in money. You've got a multitude mm-hmm. of people that are following them on social media and listening to the broadcasts mm-hmm. and watching them on TV. Maybe they have a mega church or a church with a couple branches that they go to that people go to. And you can't help but, find yourself in a position to think of yourself as something higher than what you are if you've got all that attention on you. And so I wonder if sometimes we don't contribute as parishioners or as people that follow these, you know, Mm -hmm. if we don't contribute to the fact that they get pride and they get, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. the puffed chest because they've got this big following. Yeah. I mean, I think that can definitely happen, Son. And and I think it, 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 really is something that can be uh, a danger from both directions. One, you know, beginning with it in the heart of the, of the, uh, the, the minister, um, you know, that's where, you know, you know, the Bible says above all else, guard your heart. Um, you know, Paul told the young preacher, Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely. So as critical as true doctrine is, Paul actually said you're the life of the of the minister is, is the most important thing to watch and then the doctrine. So they're they're it's not that one is important and the other, but they're both, you know, so important, but certainly the life and and so um the attitude of the heart, you know, uh uh is it one of pride or humility? Um and, and that will often I think come through in 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 a person's uh demeanor and approach. And just the way that, you know, others are treated and the way that things are said. So, so there's that, there's that threat just from the heart of the minister that, um, you know, you have to always be on guard against. And then like you said, son, I mean, then there's always, um, you know, there are always those who maybe for whatever reason, uh, just want to lavish all sorts of praise upon, you know, the man rather than on, you know, the, the one we're supposed to be really lavishing our praise on, which of course is the Lord. So, so, so yes, I think that's a good cautionary note. Uh, you know, that, uh, the, Christians should always be careful, uh, when, um, you know, when showing appreciation to, to a minister that, that, um, you, you certainly don't want, um, you don't want it to lead to pride, but, um, you know, what, what I have found son over now, what, I guess 31 years as a pastor, um, you know, what I have found to be the most rewarding, uh, and whether it be like, you know, if it's through a, a sermon or some other form of ministry. But when people will say something like, you know, the Lord really spoke to me through that, or the Lord really touched me through his word, you know, um, that's very rewarding because that ultimately is where that's the only place that the real change and help is going to come from. If, if it's coming from, from me or from any minister, it's going to be very, very limited at best. Uh, but when people, when you get the sense that there's been something profound that, that God has, shown a person or is helping a person with that is very rewarding um, because um, I, I think that's, that can, can be the goal or our goal as, as ministers, not, you know, how, how much, you know, do, uh, do people like me or, 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 or think that I'm, you know, uh, 
such a, a, a help, but, but how helpful is the Lord, you know, through not only this minister, but others in the church, you know, anytime we can keep that focus on what God is doing through all of us and mainly through his word. Um, I think we can um, work to avoid some of those things that do like in our culture today do kind of lend themselves. I mean, in, in the extreme examples to like kind of a celebrity pastor kind of a status where, um, you know, there's like, you know, one, one guy and it's just like all about him. And, and, uh, uh, and it's kind of like, well, where, where is the gospel in, in, in any of that? You know, it's almost like when you think about a, a church, let's say, you know, do you think first of who the minister is, or do you think first about just the message of that church and the gospel that they're proclaiming? And, and any time that our, our, our first thought and our main thought is about the messenger, um, I don't know. I mean, John the Baptist was like, you know, he must become greater. I must become less. So I don't think John the Baptist would have been a very uh, effective celebrity pastor in our culture today. And, and to be honest about it, I don't think God's calling any pastor to be a celebrity pastor. Um, we have someone far greater than a celebrity to promote. So um, we just want to remember um, who we are as individuals and as Christians and, and, uh, who it is that, um, that people need to have their eyes on and focus on. And that's on, on the Lord, of course. You know, Dan, we recently, I guess we've alluded to it, I guess a few times, you know, some of these surveys that come out and, you know, I think it was, uh, George Barna and his group that did a survey and the results of that survey said only like 6% of people have a biblical worldview and I'm taking that biblical worldview as something similar to what you and I kind of believe, you know, what the Bible says, that Jesus is the only way to heaven, despite others will say there's more than one way to get to heaven, where the Holy Spirit is a part of the uh, Trinity, where others might say the Holy Spirit is just a symbol of God or a symbol for God. And they start to get off into these kind of wackadoodle type of theology and beliefs that aren't or are contrary to the Bible. And so I think that kind of makes it, hard to talk about something like this because I don't think a lot of people would think humility or being proud or prideful would be really that much of a sin because it doesn't really, it's not that glamour sin, you know, it's not that sin that's like, oh, wow, I mean, that's just horrible what they've done, you know, kind of like the the top five sins, like a, like a murder or an adultery or, you know, some of these other ones that are like those profound sins that people kind of latch to and the scandals and stuff. But it's really something that I think goes kind of by the wayside, but it's something that the Bible talks mm-hmm. about and what is talked about uh, greatly, you know, about how God yeah. detests, as you write, the sin of pride, yeah. you know, to fear the Lord yeah. is to hate evil. And that includes pride yeah. and arrogance because pride and arrogance can be and can lead to evil behavior and perverse speech. Well, you know, I'll tell you, Son, you're hitting on such an important point here and um, I, I think it is easy for people to get the wrong idea about sin and to think that somehow is, you know, it's only those outward things that, that a person may do that are the real, you know, the real big problems. Uh, and, and really when you look in the Bible and when you look in the minute at the ministry of Christ, I mean, who did he, who did he condemn, uh, you know, at least in their current state, you know, so many of the Pharisees. Um, you know, he had the, 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 just the, the strongest rebuke, uh, for them, but, but then he would eat with tax collectors and prostitutes and, and, and people that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law thought of as quote unquote sinners. 
and 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 they didn't think of themselves as righteous. They knew they were sinful. I think at least a lot of them hopefully did. But but the Lord um, really despised those who were putting on airs, you know, pretending to be these super religious bigwigs. But as Jesus said, their hearts um, were just full of all manner of depravity and and judgmentalism and greed and hypocrisy. And, and so you put your finger on something there, I think, Son, that is so important that, that we, we, we just should never lose sight of the fact that, that the, the sins of the heart are at least as offensive to God. As, as, as some of the other sins that, that kind of maybe get more press and, 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 and are more visible and, and things that people might think, well, those are the real big sins. Well, um, I'm not so sure there are many sins bigger than pride. I mean, you know, unbelief uh, certainly ranks right up there because if you're committing the sin of unbelief, um, you're not going to be saved un- until, you, until you repent, until you repent of your unbelief until you repent of the fact that you're not believing the gospel. You're not believing that Jesus came here to die for your sins. You're, you're living in disbelief. Um, so, so that sin is at the top of the list, but I think pride is, is right there with it. And, and some of these other ones may not be as high as we, as we tend to put them. I mean, yes, they're offensive to God, but I don't know that there are many things more offensive than those sins of the heart. And, um, those, those, and like you said, son, I mean, a lot of people might not think, oh, well, you know, humility, that's not a real big deal with God. Well, I think it is a very big deal with God. And, um, you know, the, the, the will to be righteous is, is such an important part of the Christian life. The desire to want to do the right thing and to have a, uh, you know, David uh, cried out to God, created me a, a clean heart or a pure heart, oh God, you know, after his heart had become a corrupt with his sin. Now, yes. He committed some of those big, visible, you know, um, and he committed adultery. He committed murder of Bathsheba's husband by having her put on the front line, you know. So he committed those big sins, but but he repented, and and the Lord forgave him. Now, there were consequences, of course, as, as sin often has with it, you know, earthly consequences. But uh, but he repented, thankfully, and, and God forgave him. But um, But how many of those Pharisees never repented? I mean, how many religious people today, son, are there who uh, maybe are self-righteous? And that is, they're, they're basing their what they think is an acceptance before God on their own righteousness rather than the righteousness of Christ that, that, that comes through faith. And, and I really think that this for God is about as big of a sin as you can commit. And, and this is why we would not be praying it too often to pray multiple times a day, you know, Lord, uh, please, you know, just work humility in me today. Um, you know, show me if I'm, you know, starting to go off on a tangent of pride in the way I'm, you know, looking at someone else in terms of viewing them or viewing myself above them or the way I'm responding to someone or, or maybe, uh, what my attitude is about, you know, some of the things that I'm working on, you know, am I just doing it for the applause of men or, you know, so that I can somehow, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's like in the corporate world, it's all about, you know, climbing the corporate ladder or in, in sports, it's all about being number one. Um, you know, and, and, uh, uh, but, but in Christianity, how do you become number one? Well, well, Jesus said the greatest among you will be your servant. Um, you know, uh, one, one time when the disciples were kind of arguing, you know, Lord, who's going to get a sit on your right hand? You know, they were all kind of clamoring for the best seat. And, and the Lord would often, you know, try to teach his, his disciples, Hey, if, if you want to be, 
you know, top in the kingdom of heaven, then be the, the, the biggest servant of all, you know, serve everyone and view, view yourself as the worst. I mean, look at Paul. He, he, he viewed himself as the chief of sinners. Um, so if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, um, you're going to have to go low in order to be, to be seen as high. You're going to have to go low with your attitude. You're going to have to view others as better than yourself. Um, and that's a, that's a hard thing for us by nature, but God will help us. Uh, he'll help us to, uh, swallow our pride, say no to that. And, uh, and then by God's grace, you know, seek to walk in humility in the way we view others, the way we treat others. Um, and just, just to get out of that whole thing of trying, you know, comparing ourselves to others, where did God ever say we're supposed to do that? He said just the opposite. You know, he wants us to focus on what he wants for us, not how we think we match up to somebody else and, and their life and everything. You know, I often think during Bible times, what it must have been like. We, we hear a lot about roads and traveling, and we know that Jesus was kind of nomadic in his ministry. He'd go from town to town, place to place. He talks about, you know, shaking off the dirt from your sandals if, um, you know, you're not accepted there. Um, and so there's a lot of talk and kind of symbolism, or maybe imagery, I should say, imagery in the Bible about uh, walking and feet and so forth. And so I can only imagine, you know, we think of feet today and, and shoes and stuff, and we've got like the snazzy of shoes. We've got shoes for cold weather, warm weather, you know, dirty weather, whatever. But you think about the feet of people back then, what it must have been like for them. And I'm not sure what the bathing habits were, people, but I would imagine that the feet were probably something that were was pretty disgusting back then. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not the pleasant, you know, the most pleasant of, of things, that uh, of cleanliness. Anyways, um, and you talk about humility. You know, nothing is bigger when it comes to humility than when Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. You know, he right. sits there and he says, you know, I'm going to wash your feet. And then Peter replies, no. And Jesus answers, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And so then Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, washes the feet of everybody. And then he goes yeah. on and says, you know, um, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I set the example for you so that you should do as I have done. I think that's the biggest example right there besides the crucifixion, besides Jesus laying down his life for us and paying a penalty right. that, you know, we deserve that he doesn't. I mean, that's probably the biggest act of selflessness and, and humility ever. But I think, you know, Jesus claiming that, yes, I'm your Lord, I'm your teacher, but yet I'm submissing myself, so to speak, to wash your feet. And now if you want to be a teacher, if you want to be a leader, you know, leadership classes, they always say the best leaders are the ones that serve the people you're leading. And so I think that this whole imagery and the the picture of Jesus washing the feet, you know, we think of feet today as pretty clean feet. And I've been through feet washing experiences and I've been uncomfortable with them because I think it doesn't really do us justice, but that's just my opinion on it. But I, but I've seen these feet of other people, you know, whether it's in high school or college and we're doing these feet washing. It's like, yeah, these these feet are pretty clean. You know, we got socks, we've got shoes, but you think about the, the feet of the disciples back then, what it must've been like. I don't know. I don't think it's probably the prettiest of things. And yet Jesus humbled himself enough to wash the feet. And I think that that was purposeful that he did wash mm-hmm. the feet because I do think the feet were probably pretty disgusting back then. And he wanted to demonstrate mm-hmm. just exactly what humility and being humble and yet being a leader, teacher, and Lord in his case, the Lord part was all about. 
Yeah, and isn't it fun? Just the opposite of like what the culture preaches. You know, the culture preaches and man's human nature craves, um, you know, uh, dominating others. Um, I mean, there, there's nothing within human nature that would humble itself to, to do what the Lord did there for his disciples and what he calls us to do. So, um, you know, the Christian life really is a countercultural kind of a calling in the sense that so many of the things that, I mean, turning the other cheek, you know, um, that, that's not something that, uh, that man does by nature, you know, loving your enemies, praying for those who persecute you, washing one another's feet, um, living in harmony with one another. I mean, what, what the world and what humanism preaches is, um, you know, the survival of the fittest. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter who you dominate as long as you can get to the top by doing it. Well, that's the opposite of, of what, of what Jesus taught and what Jesus demonstrated and, and what the Lord did for us when he died for us. So, yeah, I think you're right. That example of the Lord washing his disciples' feet, I mean, um, obviously there's nothing that comes close to uh, the agony or the sacrifice or the act of humility Jesus uh, carried out on the cross. But in terms of his earthly ministry, I mean, his miracles were amazing. But that washing of his disciples' feet, I think you're right in terms of just how much of an example of humility that was and how much that can teach us about, you know, what is our calling as Christians? It certainly is not to be uh, recognized as some great thing. It's not to be celebrated. It's, you know, it, it's, it's not about us. Um, you know, I, uh, I love the first uh, sentence in Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, which, which sold, I don't know how many million copies, you know, millions and millions. But anyway, the very first sentence, it's not about you. Uh, and wow, what a, uh, what a great way to start a, a book about Christian discipleship. It's not about you. And, and so that, that'd be a good thing, I think, for us daily to remind ourselves. You know, Dan, when I was teaching at the college, I was teaching radio broadcasting. And, of course, a lot of people wanted to become the next superstar, whether it be the next, um, well, I used to call it the next Rick Dees, but I guess there's some other big DJ now, maybe Howard Stern or or maybe um, you want to be the next Vin Scully, you know, or the next great sports broadcaster. And so all these people would come in, and they had, yeah. even even then as, as students, they had this desire to be a superstar. They had the ego to go along with it. And so oftentimes we'd have conversations about, you know, hey, let's make sure we keep things in check. You know, I'd kind of remind them that, you know, you can't have this attitude because, first of all, it really doesn't fly in the business, even though people think it does, you know, the celebrity status, mm -hmm. especially in radio, you know. And, and anyway, so we'd, we'd, we'd have this conversation about pride and stuff. And, and oftentimes, obviously it's not in the biblical sense, like you and I are having a conversation about, but then oftentimes people would always throw out that kind of proverb, as they would call it, you know, pride goes before a fall. A lot of people know that, right. uh, that, that, that saying anyways. And it's always, I always chuckle because that's what's basically the summary of Proverbs sixteen eighteen, which depending on your translation, but it goes, you know, pride goes before destruction and a haughty mm -hmm. spirit before a fall. Your know, pride goes before a fall. And so that was something that we kind of instituted with students because, you know, the first thing a student would do would be, you know, kind of scoff at somebody or laugh at somebody's mistake, but then they would turn around and make the mistake. It's like, see, you got to be careful because no matter how good you think you are in this business, in this class, you're going to make the mistakes. You're going to do something wrong. You're going to screw up. Right. And then, you know, right. so let's remember that we're all kind of even kill. Remember pride goes before fall. And so obviously that is, uh, 
you know, front and center when we're talking about what we're talking about when it comes to humility is oftentimes mm-hmm. we'll see, you know, we see it throughout the Bible, people with pride, people with a haughty spirit, bad things happen. And we reminds us to, you know, and sometimes, you know, we've heard, you know, pastors throughout our lives talk about, you know, how Jesus or God will kind of knock us down with discipline, you know, whether it be uh, however he decides to discipline us in this world as an effort to draw us back to him. You'd be like, hey, you know what? Your focus is not on me. This happens. And now focus back on me and I'll help you through. And um, and so, again, it's just another reminder, even for people that might not have a biblical worldview or believe the Bible, there's still that pride goes before a fall that everyone is familiar with. And so even then, that right there tells you that having humility is something that should be front and center in anybody's lives, regardless of what your belief is. Yeah, that, that's right, son. And and what I think of, especially now at this time of year when we're, you know, just a matter of days, just a few days out really from Christmas Day. And I think about, you know, how the Lord, you know, humbled himself. You know, he was born into this world in such a humble uh, setting there and in a manger there um, in a stable. Um, you know, he he came he came so humbly. He did not come uh, in pride, but in humility. Um, I mean, if anybody, uh, should be proud, you know, it would have been the Lord uh, who's perfect, but, but he humbled himself and, and then he humbled himself at the cross. And, you know, the key to, um, really having Christmas in your heart is to bow down there, uh, before the, the, the greatest Christmas tree there's ever been, uh, the cross there is the tree where, where God wrapped up the gift of eternal life um, for, for anyone and everyone who, who would like to receive it. You know, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God, the Bible says. And uh, I think the biggest tragedy um, for man will be for, uh, you know, people to get to the end of their life and for those who did not uh, unwrap the gift that was under the tree with their name on it, um, those who refused to believe or ignored um, the message of Christmas, they, um, they, they, they chose not to open up the gift uh, that God has for them of everlasting life in heaven. You know, um, people are worried about their retirement years. They're worried about their health. They're, 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 they're trying to extend their life a few years if possible. And meanwhile, the Lord has done something uh, that allows us who believe in him to live forever in heaven in perfection in paradise where we'll never be bored. Um, we'll, I mean, there, there's no adjectives that can fully describe how magnificent it's going to be. It's going to be an explosion of the senses, the sights, the sounds, the smells, the everything about everything about the, the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, the home of righteousness. And, and that's all free gift. You know, the Bible says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And I just wonder how many people even this Christmas son are going to be so busy with their planning, their preparations, maybe buying a presents or whatever, you know, whatever they're doing that they're not going to take time to humble themselves at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Um, I need a savior. I need you, Lord. I need, I need your forgiveness. Um, and it takes humility to admit that, that you can't save yourself. It takes humility to tell the Lord, I mean, Lord, I, I can't earn my way. 
Um, I can't jump through enough hoops. But thankfully, that's not the way God designed it. Um, you know, no amount of hoops will get us into heaven, but through faith. Um, we, we are saved by grace through faith. So that's the gift that God's offering this Christmas and any of the listeners, uh, you know, if, if, if you, my friend are not sure, uh, whether or not heaven is your eternal home, will you just bow before the Lord this Christmas and just ask him into your life, into your heart, ask him to forgive your sins, surrender your life to him, open up that free gift as you repent of your sin and say, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm going to, I'll follow you now as your disciple, but it all begins with, with opening that present and, and God's going to load it up there on the front end. He's not going to make you, you know, have to like prove your, your worth as a disciple. And then God will decide at some later point where he, whether he's going to let you into heaven, you know, he'll give you the gift on the front end, which will motivate you then to want to live for the Lord. Um, not in order to be saved, but because you've already been saved. You've already been redeemed and justified and forgiven and born again on the front end. Um, but, but if you'll do that this Christmas, my friend, just bow down uh, there at the, at the, at the, uh, at, at the Christmas tree. I mean, whether you physically kneel or not, uh, you'll need to bow in your heart before the Lord. You'll need to surrender yourself to the Lord if you want to have everlasting life and forgiveness, which I'm guessing you do. I'm guessing you want that. Um, well, the Bible tells you and I how we can have that. So if you'll do that this Christmas, you'll never regret it. Um, and that's no promise that 2022 is going to be a, a year free from trouble for you um, as a Christian. You know, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And that's what our Savior did. Uh, the Savior born in Bethlehem who died there uh, on, on the cross for your sins and mine. So I hope son that every listener will, uh, will meet the Lord if they don't already know him. And for those of us who do know him, that will draw even closer, uh, in these days where there's still so much in the world with COVID and everything else that's going on. But, you know, our main focus can, can be Christ because, uh, he has an eternal, uh, home prepared for us. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to just be so incredible. And in the meantime, we, we get the privilege of sharing his love with others. Yeah, especially this year, you know, we have other issues going on, like you mentioned, but also, you know, supply chain issues, you know, there might not be that gift that, you know, someone is wanting on the shelves this year, you know, there might not be the ability to go out and get whatever it is that's on Santa's list, you know, for your kids or something, you know, because there are some other things going on. Um, And so this might actually be the year to really have, if you need an excuse to say why there's not as many gifts this year, or there's no gifts this year or whatever the case may be, if you need an excuse, this might be the year because again, you do have, Things not on the shelves. You know, shelves are empty. You know, there's other stuff going on. And so this might truly be the year where you can start to change the culture and the family and focus it more on something else than the gifts, than the, 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 the things. I saw a video as we kind of wrap up here, I saw a video on social media, which was kind of entertaining. It was like a toddler and they'd give the toddler a toy and then like, um, the cell phone, not cell phone, but like a TV remote. And the kid would pick the TV remote. And then they put another toy with another like household item and they'd pick the household item. Then another toy. Basically, the point was every time you had the option between a toy and something else, the kid would always pick something else. And which means that, as we know, if you've had kids or if you've been a kid, the toys that we get eventually become, 
you know, obsolete. We don't want to play with them anymore. And it has a shelf right. life of its own once we give them. And so maybe this year we should spend our time with people, investing in people, in memories, in coming together, family outings, friends outings, you know, instead of spending money on the gifts, maybe on spending time together and doing stuff like that. And, and then also if you then, you know, as they call it, the spirit of Christmas, you know, or the whatever it is, you know, focus on those things. Because if you're a Christian and it's Jesus's birth and that's what it's about, then we take the time to reflect on that and really celebrate the birth of Jesus. And if you happen to be listening and Christianity or the Bible's not your thing, but you believe in the spirit of Christmas and stuff, well, first I would encourage you to maybe go back and kind of listen to what we're talking about and rethink your stance on on the Bible. But then also that means you can't, you know, stop and help others or put others first or focus on those same things. Because again, this might be that year that you can sit back and be like, it's not gift emphasized year. It's people emphasized year. Yeah, that's a that's a great idea, Son. And I think that's always a good reminder, uh, but especially at Christmas, that um, it, it's it, the focus is, is not to be on you know material things, but rather on the spiritual blessings that um, are available to us in Christ, and and then just how can we help to meet both the spiritual as well as the physical needs of, of those around us. And, and so what a, what a great uh, call to all of us uh, here at Christmas. And, and uh, I have, uh, I have confidence son that as, as we pray as the listeners uh, here to the podcast, as, as they pray that God will give us those uh, opportunities, he'll give us the strength to, um, to go through those open doors. And, uh, and, and who knows, son, just, you know, who, who, whose life might be changed this Christmas? Um, because we do exactly what you're, what you're saying there. We, we're fo- we, we focus more on people than on things. And certainly that's what the Lord did uh, when he came to this world. He focused on people, uh, not on things. Dan Dozell with us, as always, as we talk about the things of this world through a biblical perspective. And again, humility been the topic of conversation this past hour. And Dan, as always, we thank you for your time, your insight, your wisdom, and sharing it with us. We truly appreciate it. And we look forward to many more conversations, Lord willing. Oh, I tell you, son, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, it's just been a great, uh, a great visit once again, and I look forward to our our visits in the in the new year. And uh, this gives us a lot to think about. I think here uh, over Christmas, and um, as we seek to just walk humbly with our Lord through this uh, through this Christmas season. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless. <laughs>